someone took the trouble of um, counting the promises in the Bible, and he said that there were 7,474 promises in the Scripture. Now, I didn't take the time to verify that and count on myself, but I haven't, I haven't come across anything that, uh, that refutes it. So I'm going to assume that there are about 7,500 promises in the Word of God. Are all of these promises for us? Well, somebody said one time that there are every promise in the Bible was meant for me. That was a huge overstatement because every promise in the Bible is not meant for you and me. And I think we need to be very careful when we um, uh, deal with the promises of God because some promises that God has made in His Word were not meant for you and I to claim. And so when we come to uh, try to find the promises of God that relate to us, there's some guidelines, I think, two or three, that we need to follow. One guideline is this. Was this promise, was it um, a personal promise, or was it a universal promise? That is, was it given to a specific person in a unique situation, or was it universal in its application? For example, um, when Joshua got a bowl, uh, got a pitcher and, uh, and, some, and a light, and walked around the city of Jericho for a while, and then broke the pitcher and shouted and blew a trumpet, and the walls came tumbling down, that was a promise made to Joshua. But I, I strongly recommend that you don't go over to Iraq and, and march around the capital uh, of Iraq and, and break, a tr break a pitcher and give a shout and blow a trumpet and expect who's, you know, the, uh, the Iraqi government to come crashing down. That's not a promise that you and I can claim. In the book of Mark, it says that, that you can handle serpents and drink poison that will not harm you. Well, uh, there is some debate about whether or not those verses in Mark really were in the original manuscripts, but supposing that they were in the original manuscripts, they were not a promise directed to you and me, my friend. I don't imagine it would be too safe for you and I to handle snakes and drink poison. As a matter of fact, there are two guys lie in the grave tonight from a little church in Tennessee for giving that a shot, you know, handling serpents and drinking poison and claiming a promise that was not, not meant for them. So was this, is this promise that you discover, is it personal or universal in application? I think there's a second guideline that you can use in coming to find the promises that you can claim, and that is, are these promises conditional? Now, there are some promises that are conditioned. For example, this is one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Now, He is not going to give guidance and direction to your path unless and until you are fulfilling the conditions of that promise, which is trusting in the Lord with all your heart, not leaning on your own understanding, and acknowledging Him in all your ways. And so sometimes we seek for guidance, and guidance is not there, but that promise is on the basis of fulfillment of the condition. Now there are 7,500 promises in Scripture, but not all of them we can claim. But there is a, uh, in this text, 
a, a man who had a conditional promise and claimed it. It's in the 18th chapter of the, of the uh, book of 1 Kings, verse 1. Now look at it with me. Now it came about after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. It had been over three years and not a drop of rain. Now the promise is, I'm going to send rain on the face of the earth, but the condition of that promise was that he show himself to Ahab. Now Ahab was this king who had a wife that was a, um, she was something else. Uh, well, she was a wife, but she was a mean one. And uh, I mean, he's living on, uh, you know, he's, he's living on the edge here when he goes to Ahab, the king, and, and he's already in trouble with Ahab because he sees him. That is, Ahab sees Elijah as the troubler of Israel. And so when he goes to Ahab and shows his face to Ahab, then rain was to come, and that promise was conditioned upon his response to it. Now, if you've got a pencil, I want to have you to put out in the margin of, your, of, of this uh, of your Bible, put in the fly leaf or the margin, promises that are for you to claim. There is one way you can know I can claim this promise, and I'm going to show you what it is. Promises for you to claim. Now I want us you to look down in the 18th chapter, verse 41, and we'll look at this. It says, Now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for it, there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. It's been three years since they'd heard this sound. The sound of the roar of a heavy shower. Now there are two ways to interpret that statement. One is, is that what Elijah was saying is that I'm hearing in my ears the sound of the coming of the rain. And there are some who say that, that he heard coming across the Mediterranean, and water is a perfect acoustic, Coming across the Mediterranean is the sound of rain, and he could hear the sound of rain approaching. That's one way to interpret this. There is a second way to interpret I want you to look at two or three verses with me. Look at verse 26 of the 18th chapter, and then verse 29. Let's look at verse 26 of chapter 18. Then they took the ox which was given them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of, the, of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was, there was no voice. Now if you take a pencil and circle the word voice there, it's the exact same Hebrew, Hebrew word that I read in verse 41 that's translated sound. And there was no voice, for the word, the Hebrew word, that's translated is interchangeable. It can be sound and it can be voice. So it's voice in verse 26. And it is voice in verse 29. Then, and it came about when midday was passed that they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound, there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Now look over to chapter 19, verse 13, at one other place. It says in verse 13, And it came about when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now the second way to interpret, I heard the sound of the roar of a, of a shower, is that he heard the sound or the voice 
the voice of someone. Now, I, 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 I've got to, you know, use a little ministerial license here and say this, and I think, I think it's a fact that, you know, uh, water, uh, you know, storms and rain don't talk. So what he's saying, in essence, and I believe that the correct way to interpret this is that I knew it was going to rain because I heard God. Would you, would you follow with me closely here? Because, you know, we're, we're dealing with something that's very difficult. That there's something that, that, it, that happens in the heart and mind. He doesn't have the capacity to hear the voice of God. You know what you're going to learn when you... There are eels, and they're electric eels. Now, the regular eel, I guess you call The regular eel doesn't have. And a believer, the ears of the heart, whatever you want to call it, but a believer has sigh, he can hear God speak. Now, he doesn't hear him audibly. If you know what I'm saying, you know, shake your head up and down like this. Now, I think what a lot you have sensed in your spirit, God telling you is going to have absolute first time I've ever shared this, okay? Carolyn Barrett became seriously ill. I was called out of her and was gravely ill. In fact, I beat her over to TMC. I was asked, I came back to prayer meeting, and we had prayer meeting here, and I went back as soon as prayer meeting was over and reviewed her conversation with her doctor and her family. And her doctor, lady, I want you to understand that this lady is gravely and dangerous and performed surgery on her immediately. And, I, and Joe said, immediately, and the chances of survival are less than 50%. Many of you were there, and we all gathered together in the chapel, the little chapel at TMC. After Gib prayed, I prayed, and in the middle of my prayer, this is said, Carolyn Barrett is going to be well. Now, I'm naming and claiming, because most of the time, what we name is what we want. In prayer, really, because I was afraid it would sound like naming and claiming. But in my spirit, got to the hospital in, in, um, in Dallas, his doctor came out after Lavalier. He said, hey, we're going to take care of her. She'll be home in three days. I mean, there's nothing to it. Times when you just know in your heart, a heart of hearts, spirit. I'll use that term. That's a pretty good one. In your spirit, you, you do, don't you? You just sense a voice from God. Now, it, now, I'm not, and you just pray and thank him for it, okay? Now, that's what I believe on it, okay? Now, this promise is claimed in verse, uh, uh, there are some promises to claim and some things practical that you claim, where you claim, top of Carmel. Now, here's the difference between a wicked king, separation, it's, there is a, you know, for promises to be claimed in prayer, a person have a place of prayer where he gets alone with God from the den, D-I-N, and he goes alone with God is that he leaves behind some things that are not necessary. There is an attitude of humility. Now look at old Elijah. Can you get the picture? He's a lot more limber than I am to get down and crouch down on the earth. Is an attitude of deep humility. Position. I am saying that before you can lay hold on God, there has to be this Attitude of humility before God, brokenness at least upon Him, and humility, subjection, subjection. There is nothing, and He said, go back seven times. Specific about it. 
Now, I want to be a little facetious. I think sometimes, what do you really need? I mean, come on, get, get, get real, get specific. Every night, I mean every night, and you ask God for it, an answer as long as it's immediate. There is a, that prayer is answered on the basis of importunity, on the basis of persistence. Prove to God that we are determined to have this. For God is determined, for He was expectant. And verse 44 says, Three and a half years, it hadn't so much as dewed on the ground. Alexander Pope's 12th beatitude is, Blessed is he that expects nothing, for him that promised. You know, if you have faith of grain of mustard seed, speak to the mountain, it'll be removed. Is that we had people lined up in these aisles, and we had kids all over. Wasn't it promise keepers? I definitely planned to go, and I found out that uh, it was home gathering. And there was this excitement. Pray. Would we ever cease to pray? No. His loins, and he outran Ahab to Jezreel him and took off running. Now, the interesting thing about this is, is that that's what that says. I mean, he was pumped. Run faster than Ahab, and you don't get tired when God's hand is not on you. I can testify to that. And there is nothing anymore def, uh, defeating and, and frustrating than to try to run the race with the hand of God not on you. But when the hand of the Lord is on you, Ahab comes in second in the great chariot race to Jezreel. Could it be that the reason why you have become so weary in well-doing is that you're doing it out in the effort of the flesh now let me give you two applications, then we're out of here. Number one, prayer is nothing. Let me back that up. Oh, that was a goofaroo. <laughs> prayer is exciting, but not glamorous. It's hard work. Prayer is exciting, but it's not glamorous. There's nothing glamorous about going into a prayer room, spending an hour on your knees before God. They're written. It's exciting, but it's not glamorous. There is a legend about a man who went to a, to a city to, on, a, on a business trip. And when he got off the plane, he saw men and women and children barefoot. And he said, why don't you people wear shoes? Do you, do you know about shoes? And they said, yes. And he said, why don't you wear shoes? And they said, I don't know. And the next morning as he prepared for his business interview, it was cold, biting cold. As he stepped out of the hotel, he saw men and women walking down the street in cold weather, barefoot. He said, have you all not heard of shoes? Yeah, we, why don't you wear them? And they said, and as he pondered that a little bit, he, he looked up and he saw this building. And, and across the top of the building was the sign. The building was the place where shoes were manufactured. 
and shoes were exported all over the world. And he said, you folks make shoes? And they said, yes. Said, Why don't you wear them? And he said, I don't know. You believe in prayer? Do you believe that there are promises to claim in prayer? You really believe that? Whatever you really believe, you practice, all the rest is religious talk. If you believe that, why don't you pray? Why don't we pray? I don't know. I guess it's because it's hard to do it. Second application. Promises are available, but they're not automatic. Promises are available, but they're not automatic. There's some, separ there's some separation. There's some um, conditions that have to be met before the promise can be claimed. Let's pray together. Our Father, I thank you for reminding us of the truth that there is in prayer an avenue to God and a way to be changed. Grant us that what we say right now to you will come in response to what you've said to us. For I pray in Jesus' name. An invitation tonight I give is an invitation for you to come to Christ, to give your heart fully to Him, surrender your life to Him, your Christian walk. Is it what it ought to be? Church membership. While we stand to sing, we invite you to come.